Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Astros were off yesterday, and it's it's kind of a good and bad thing for fan, for for fans. You know, you know me. Those of you who have listened a long time know that I don't have the patience for football. Football, they never play a game in football. It's it's all we do is wait and wait and wait and wait. So, it, it it's the great irony. You know, people say baseball's too slow. Well, no, baseball's not slow. They play almost every day. Football is slow. They never play a game ever. Um, and so even in baseball where you might play for six straight days, when you're going good and you're excited about the way the team is playing, the team needs the day off a lot of times, but it still can be difficult for a fan. It's like, all right, let's go. But no, the day off is still good. Um, I got through the day off, and tonight they play again. 6-10 first pitch. Astros should be 6-0 on this nine-game New York stretch. But they're 4-2. Got to be thankful for what you've got. Could be worse. Now, the level of play, they've, they've outplayed all six teams. Now, because you win doesn't mean you outplay anyone. Don't get me wrong, because sometimes you win and you, you don't deserve it. You just get lucky. I think the Astros have outplayed all six, the Mets and the Yankees in all six games. But they blew two of them. Well, the Umps blew one, in my opinion, and the um, – The Umps blew one, and the and the Astros kind of forfeited the other one by throwing a no hitter. So, um, you know, we'll see how it works. Uh, play. The good thing about the Astros is they're really good on the road. I wish they'd be a little better at home. I if the, I wish they were as as good on at home as they are on the road, but it is nice when you go on the road, you don't feel like you're handicapped. And some teams struggle with that. They just struggle with the road, especially bad teams. Like I saw a stat yesterday. You know, we've been talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates, how they got these good young players, and they kind of build in something. In the month of June, which is almost over now, they're 2-13 and 13 on the road. I mean, For some reason, now look, I'm not comparing the Astros to the Pirates. I'm just saying there are teams where, and I can remember when the Astros were bad, you know, like a decade ago, they they couldn't win on the road. But when Matt Cain threw that no-hitter against the ball, they could win on the road. They were just crushing the Giants. They scored like 10 runs the next day. It's awesome. But, um, it, um... Some teams just really struggle. So we'll see what the Astros do. This one game thing Thursday is going to be weird. But anyway, Astros-Mets, 6-10 tonight. 
on the road, and you can hear that game right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, About an hour from now, we're going to be talking Houston Astros with Michael Schwab, and we've been playing kind of interview tag for a while now. First cousin version of phone tag. And it's just had his schedule, my schedule. It's just, you know, I was on vacation. And other people have, you know, George got, but I haven't. And so I'm looking forward to kind of getting, kind of getting re, kind of getting caught up on the Astros from the Houston side of perspective, get some, some, um, little information very exciting i think it's going to be exciting i i really liked enoli paredes he just got when he came up last year and and he, and he he just got to where he couldn't throw strikes or actually the year before where he couldn't throw strikes he's still walking too many batters but man when he when he's when he's throwing strikes he's got an electric delivery and electric stuff, and it's just—he's fun to watch. I really like him, but you got to throw strikes. Like old ball four, ball four threw hard, Josh James, but he wasn't as fun to watch. He was more lethargic. This cat Paredes, I mean, he is—he is fun now. Watching relief pitchers, especially, not throw strikes—that's—that's that's not fun. Not fun at all, but we'll see what he does. He he gives them another arm, and they sent Belak down, and we'll see uh, how how Paredes can do. But uh, when, when he's going well, he's fun. He's fun to watch. So looking forward to to seeing him rejoin the team, and we'll see how that goes. So we'll be talking Astros certainly a about an hour from now. It is day two of our. What, week five or a footnote summer project? High school football. I told y'all yesterday, get your high school football heartbreak memories together for this week. Look, there's, you know, got a couple of um, texts yesterday when that happened. Couple Got a couple, I think three suggestions so far. We'll um, write right after our first break. I'll tell you what those are and certainly feel free to um, let us know any heartbreaking losses that you remember for the high school football in general or high school football teams that you support. I mean, it may not even be one you support, just one that you remember. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. I have a feeling the first couple are going to be Really high up on the top 10 by the end of the week. But um, that's okay. Uh, and then there will be plenty others that we, um, we've forgotten about that hopefully people will bring. And I, I always love hearing about games that, that aren't even on my radar. Um, again, I started following... I... Um, I started following high school sports my freshman year. Before I was a freshman, I kind of sort of would pay attention to it on the news a little bit, but not really. 
Like, um, I can still remember being at my mom Foot's, my mom and Papa Foot's house, and seeing the the TV report on Channel Ten that of Mike Tamarello picking off a pass and returning it for a touchdown for what I think that made it like a 28-21 win over Acadiana for Lafayette High. I would have been probably in like around the seventh, maybe the eighth grade then. And so I kind of have a few little memories. Um, but but really, I didn't know anything about high school sports until my freshman year, which is the year after Juniors Durrell and Johnny Hector, that era, like 1980. Um, and so, and then obviously a whole lot more once I started working at the paper my senior year, 2120, I'm being told here. Oh, no, 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 that was, yeah, never mind. Um, anyway, so, no, uh, there's a lot of, I, I, there's, I know a lot about high school football since the early 80s, and I, games that I'm not aware of, certainly. Um, I love learning about those, so hopefully we can do some of that in the next few segments, or a lot of that in the next few segments. Something else that, I don't know how, you know, I don't want, on June the 1st, which was a Wednesday as I remember, and now I'm learning, we're learning that July the 1st is Friday. Friday is July. Like, that's just way too soon. Way, 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 way too soon for me. Trying to push off football season, not bring it on. Like, once the season starts, I want them to play. But until that happens, it's like, no, let, let's, 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 I need a break. My little mind needs a break. And so um, I uh, prefer not to, um, to encourage football season. I talk to other people. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. Once I get there, I will be ready, hopefully. But right now, uh, let's, let's, I need a little bit more of a break than it seems like I've gotten. Of course, when you take a week and a half off to go to Asia, then that kind of messes your, the relax. Well, I did relax while I was there, but it just seems like uh, when you come back, you're just tired. I mean, I don't, I can't explain it. Just kind of, they, Vacation fatigue, I, I guess you would call it. But no, but one of the things that I heard again this morning that just, I don't I don't like that part of it. I, it's like everybody in the world of baseball, especially the elitist baseball fans and media from the ESPN division teams, um, they it's it's like they've forgotten that the Nationals won the World Series three years ago and that the Braves won the World Series last year. And what I mean by that is, it, you know, they I heard it again this morning. Well, baseball is kind of boring right now because we already know who's going to win. Well, y'all thought, morons, you know, who thought the Nationals were going to win in 19 in late June? No one. They, they, no one was even talking about them going to the playoffs. Most of the country thought that the Braves were done when Acuna got hurt last year. 
Who thought in late June, early July that the Braves were going to win the World Series last year? Who thought that? The Braves didn't even think that. They lost their best player and they got better. By the way, every time I watch Jorge Soler do nothing, nothing, strike out, pop up for the Marlins this year, it makes me sick. Jorge Soler. Cat looked like Hank Aaron against the Astros in the World Series. Jorge Soler. He's having a medicine season. I wish he'd have had a medicine World Series. But but it's like they, we forget this. Oh, we all, I don't even know why we play the games. We already know who's going to win. I mean, they already got the Mets and the Yankees in the World Series, just like they always had the Dodgers. and The Punks are in the World, and the Punks were going to win the World Series. It's craziness. Every year they do the same thing, and they never learn. 162 games. And just because you're the best team in the regular season does not mean you're going to win the World Series. Doesn't even mean you're going to get to the World Series. But it, it, they they got to do it. They got it. They got to solve. Oh, you know these games don't mean nothing. We already know who's going to win. Okay. Well, you've been right all these years. You know, y'all all thought the Nationals were going to win, and everybody, all the elitist. ESPN division people, baseball fans who think the whole sport revolves around New York City and Boston. They they got they got it right last year, didn't you? Well, they just always get it right. They act like because so and so's payroll was two million and so I mean, they don't ever pick the raise. When the Rays made the World Series, they didn't have that. Well, I thought it was going to be the Yankees. I, well, why we even play the game? They got this big, the Dodgers, they got, why we even play the game? They got all this heavy payroll. It's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. But I, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, these people know. And the, the only and the other bad thing about when we get to the back half of 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 the summer, you're gonna start that. Oh, they got too many teams to jump; they can't get there. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. It's a lie. It's silliness. If you win, you pick up ground. It's that simple. If you win, you pick up ground. Don't buy all that foolishness. So, no, I, you know, and, and, and it makes me just every year. Now, look, if, if they're saying the Astros are going to win, I don't want them to lose. OK, but everybody else is like, man, I, I, I just wish so, somebody's going to make a run. I heard this morning they say we already know who's going to make the playoffs. As if you know in June who's going to make the playoffs. You think, you know. With your little elitist attitude, but you don't know. There's a lot of teams that are still plenty of time for teams to come out of nowhere and make a run. They may or may not win the World Series, like has happened two of the last three years. Teams come out of nowhere to win the World Series. 
They act like it. They, they act like it. You know, it has. It's it. It happened once, like fifty years ago. It's crazy. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we will get hot and heavy on our week five of our footnote summer project. High school football, heartbreaking losses. I'll give you some of the ones that have been mentioned. And again, the game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to chime in and give a heartbreaking loss that you remember, We'll do that on the other side of this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really to his core that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers. And Houston Astros, the game hotline, 706-0111, Want to remind you, if you would like to, be, to win Astros giveaway number three, Astros will be taking on the fighting Seattle Mariners. They're supposed to be all laid back, stream of consciousness, liberal, you know, in Asia, right next to Oregon, just chill out, you know, let their light rain fall on you. And, 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 but instead, they just fight all the time. They're always ready to fight. <laughs> they these don't mariners. fight all the time. They fought fight once. Well, they, they, no, they, they emptied now. We didn't fight, but twice with the Astros, they emptied the benches. Okay, well, emptying and fighting are two different things. Yeah, that's but... true. But man, it, y'all are just on the edge. Y'all need to take a chill pill. <laughs> Because we're young, so we're just yeah. a little feisty. A little feisty. But anyway, Astros and the Mariners, the fighting fish, will be um, playing on Saturday, Ju- July the 30th. If you would like to win four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening, you need to join the Game Clubhouse. We've been telling you about that. That will make you eligible to win uh, this great Astro Weekend getaway Powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I still think the Mariners, I still think the Mariners are gonna make a run, but they had another bad law. They got crushed last night. I, I don't man, this cat Adley Rush might actually be good. The Orioles are not as bad as they've been. Um, so it's not like the worst thing in the world. But um, that they lost to him, but but um, I don't know. I still think the Mariners are going to make a run and finish second in the Astros division. But sooner or later, they got to start winning games. We'll see how it how it plays out. All right, let's do this. Go to the game hotline. Hello, Footsie. How are you, sir? Footsie. 
I'm 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 doing well, but uh, you 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 misspoke. But Uh-oh. you know, I need, I need to I need to sign up for the for the clubhouse. I guess I'm eligible, huh? I mean, I'm not employed. Oh, there. you're absolutely eligible. How did I misspeak? Well, because here's the deal: that Tamarella boy, he didn't return the pass for a touchdown. He intercepted a pass. Are you talking about 1978? That sounds about right. He yeah. did, he didn't pick yeah. off a pass and return it for a touchdown. He and no, he intercepted a pass. That's what I mean. But right, he inter- But all he did was intercept the pass in the end zone. Oh, okay, I got he you. Did, he did. Okay, and Gerald Broussard can tell you this. And I'm still Gerald's on my bad list for for, for this one little particular incident. But uh, no, KDN was driving it down their throat. And this is only when two teams went to the playoffs. This ain't when everybody in the whole entire civilized world went to the playoffs. So uh, KDN was driving it down their throat. They get down there to about the two-yard line. And, uh, you know, this is one of the things that we should have asked Coach Dotson why he did it. But then again, I don't know if we should have. <laughs> but then they decided to throw a pass, and it got intercepted yeah. in the end zone. So, so so in 77, Acadia had made the state semifinals for the first time. And it, it, didn't you, Iberia, make the semifinals or the finals right in this era somewhere, too? And then Lafayette High made the semifinals in, what, 79? Or was it that 78 season? The freezing cold game against St. Augie Cage. No, no, no. I, I, I remember I remember that game very specifically. I don't know if it was. It may I don't I don't remember it may have been that team. It may it may have very well been that team. I just I just don't remember. I mean, you know, uh I, I don't have the same feelings towards life at high school today as I did then. But I don't really I'm not really a historian of life at high school. Uh, no, I got you. I got you. I know. But I, I I mean I do remember them playing that game against Saint Augustine. That might have been nineteen seventy eight. It was, it was either, either 78 or 79, 79. and I, I want to say New Iberia in one of those other years made a big – the bottom line, it was, a, it was a really good football district back then. And, um, oh, no, it was no. very good. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Hefter was in the district. I mean, yeah, no, it was very good. And the thing about that KDN Life and High game was was that, like, KDN ended up with two losses, and they were 8-2, and two, and they didn't go to playoffs. Yeah, you know, that, that's, the way, Iberia, that's the way it was back then, yes. And Lafayette High had a win. Now, I got two losses for you. I got two losses for Acadiana. Uh, 2008 at Central in the quarterfinals, Acadiana lost 10-7. to that, 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 that's still, You know, I actually had that game video or VCR or whatever it was. You know, I don't know what you call it in 2008, what, what you called that thing. Until I gave it up, and I, I I never could watch that game again. That was just so you rank that one above the crazy Catholic high loss. I, I was going. You talking about in two thousand nine in the quarterfinals? Yes. yes. Now I was going to bring that one up next. Okay. So I actually. Yeah, and the KDM was ahead like twenty-eight nothing. Uh, that was the craziest game. There was a fumble at the goal line, and the the momentum of the whole game turned. It was gonna be a blowout. One play turned. It was gonna be about a forty to nothing blowout, and one play totally changed the game around. 
Yeah, no, and, and that little boy ran and jumped on that KDL player's back. That KDL player was like twice his size, and that little boy, that little boy ran him down and jumped on his back and stripped the football. I mean, a, a little small little boy, yes. small little boy, ran and jumped on his back. I don't know if you were covering that game or not. Uh, I absolutely but, was. It was at Memorial Stadium yeah. where, where, where Karen Crow beat, um, what was it, Glenn Oaks in the semifinals in 92. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I uh, I happen to see Memorial Stadium a lot in my life. <laughs> I, I, I could actually walk to Memorial Stadium just to be 100% honest with you any day I choose. <laughs> well, I guess Monday through Friday. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, that those those two. And then I'm going to throw one in for my friends from Karen Crow because Mac Barus, Mac Barus would not listen. I tried and tried to tell Mac Barus to move the game to Cajun Field. So that had to be around, what, 2002, 2003 quarterfinals when Acadiana kicked that field goal right at the end to beat Karen Crow 24-21, something like that. Coach Hanks was the coach at Acadiana then. So that had that, to be It would have been one of the two. The, it was when Ali was there and they made it to the semis twice in a row and lost to West Monroe. It was one I of those two Allie years. I don't think Ali was on that team. I don't think Allie was on that team. Well, Allie was what, 01, 02? Yes. So you're saying yes, it wasn't I, one of those two years? No. I think it was 2003. Okay. And, you know, I tried to explain to Mac Bowers, but he didn't want to listen. He's not a good listener. <laughs> you think he got well, that from people. Bob Mafus, or who would you blame that on? <laughs> Bob Mafus was something else, boy. He, Coach Mafus, he was something else. But, I mean, you know, he was he was a good coach, but – it was way different in those days yes. uh, than it, than it is today. That, that's why we don't understand, you know, we don't understand today's game and stuff like that. They but understood yeah, no, I, sports hatred back then. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's that's when you know when they beat Acadiana. That's when the uh, the Black Flowers all got sent to Acadiana High School. Yeah, a, a, you know, a wreath. Acadiana got a. a a memorial, like a death wreath or something like that, <laughs> yes. sent to him. I think his you, name was you know, Dwayne Delone. But anyway, let, I got it. We, I pre, great, great. I agree with those. Uh, separating Central and Catholic, I don't know, but uh, that, 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 that's a good Those are good ones. All right. But Thank, I'm just going to tell you this yeah. Central hurt the most. Okay. I, I understand. I, I don't know why, but. To me, that hurt the most. I understand. And by the way, I don't know if Manny's still listening. I got some LSU recruiting, baseball recruiting, but I want to make sure Manny's listening. But I haven't heard him in a while. Yeah, I don't know. We gotta, we're going to need to reconnect with Manny. I agree with that. Okay. All right. All right, Foot. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Talk to Shane. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Hey, I couldn't hear uh, while I was on hold, so if I'm repeating something, I'm sorry. That's okay. But you had brought up the uh, Yellow Jacket and uh, St. Augustine. That was a, a, a state championship game at Cajun Field. I had went to that game, and you're right, it was freezing cold. Now, I wait, I was talking about Lafayette High losing to St. Aug in the semis. You're, was it the, a year? I'm talking about uh, uh, probably in 79 or 78, I'm thinking. It okay. might have been 79. I'm, I'm not sure about the year, but I know 
New Iberia, the Johnny Hector team, they lost in the state championship at Cajun Field to, I think it was St. Aug. I'm not sure of the uh, team they played. I don't know. I mean, I remember that they made a deep run. That was either my seventh or eighth grade year. I I, I'm a, I keep confusing those okay. two. But 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 yeah, I didn't too. know. I didn't me know too. it was that Cajun field though, because it was. Yeah. It was. We went to that game. Yes, sir. Uh huh. My dad and I, my older brother. Yeah. Because the dome didn't start till the dome game. Right. The dome didn't start till '81. So that makes sense that they would have played it. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. But that was kind of disappointing because we had followed him all the time, you know, when Johnny Hector played and everything, and, and that's where I went to school. But anyway, yeah. Uh, but that was that was kind of disappointing. But it was freezing cold, man. Wow. Anyway, go Astros. All right. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. No, man. I – I'm, I'm getting, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm fixing to unload on some of these when we come back from this next break, but I've got, I don't know, already one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine suggestions already. So I think we're going to have a fun week with high school football. So many game, great games. And man, some of these, as they're going to be mentioning them, you forget about them and you're like, oh, I mean, it's just, and again, I don't have a dog in the in in these fights. I pull for the local teams, um, but you can just feel for the fans and some of these losses that were just agonizing. Some of these, I'm like, one of them, I'm about to tell you after the break. I'm like, man, I didn't cover the game. I remember who covered the game, but I remember, and you just like, oh, just. The pain and frustration are there for sure. No question about that. So let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, I'll uh, give you some of those that I'm talking about. And, again, we'll have open phone lines. and want to hear your um, agonizing, heartbreaking, want to forget about but can't get it out of your mind, high school football losses for the Cadiana area. And uh, we'll do more of that. And I'll tell you what some of the ones that have been sent to me as well. We'll do that on the other side of this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 28th, 1975. Reigning PGA Championship winner Lee Trevino and playing partners Jerry Hurd, Bobby Nichols, Jim Ahern, and Tony Jacklin are struck by lightning at the Western Open. The group suffers minor burns. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lavia, 1041 Lake Charles. That was Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Before we get back to high school football, heartbreaking losses. And they're already starting to pile up. And I can already tell. We are, I mean, 
narrowing this down to 10 is going to be quite a chore come Friday. Let's just put it that way. But before we do that, I want to remind you about the Game Clubhouse that we talked about earlier. If you have not joined, it's free. It's easy to do. So sign up today, and it puts you in position to win you know, prizes like the Astro Getaway that we talked about earlier or a $150 gift certificate from Mr. Lesser Steakhouse or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen. All of these great prizes you can't win unless you join the clubhouse. So do that today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, before we get back to the hotline, let me throw out One or two or three that have been suggested to me. One of them we've talked about more than once on this show before, and that was the Car Cougars cheating Brobridge. Uh, I believe that was either 93 or 94. I think maybe the fall of 93. It was a game at Berman Stadium, and I wasn't there, but as the story goes, the clock went off, and they got many extra seconds. Many extra seconds. And every time I think about that, I can't imagine what it would be like if I was really a soccer fan. Like, can you Im- – I've said this before. Can you imagine? For those of you who don't know about soccer, at the end of soccer – and I'm far from a soccer expert. But at the end of soccer, they have this thing where the, you don't know how much time is left. Like, it's it's like at the end of the game or the half, and, and they've got this deal where, the, like, injury time piles up. And the only people that know when the actual end of the game is is the little official on the field. Can you imagine if they had that in the cheaters' heyday in the NFL and we didn't have a clock? How, they, they cheated for them already. It would have been unbelievable. There's no way I could handle that. There is no way I could have handled the fortunes of my team on this little official telling me when the game was in and it ain't on the clock. Oh, no. that that that. If for no other reason, there's no way I could ever go through that. But anyway, every time I think of this Brobridge car game, I think about that. Another one, and this one I didn't cover either, but it was agonizing, I can remember, and, and actually pretty historic. Um. 1994, and and it leads to an example that we give all the time. One of the greatest athletes in the history of the Kadiana area, incredible high school career, and maybe the best name of all, Jamaican Dartez, his final game. He had made it to the Dome prior, earlier in his career, but they didn't win. And they lost to a meet 21-20 in the 1994 semifinals uh, to go back to the Dome again. And that was a heartbreaking loss. I mean, I mean, gut-wrenching. And the the, the story goes, though, that the year after Jamaican Dartez, they finally won the state championship. Uh, Doesn't diminish the greatness of Jamaican Dartez, but it just goes to... You know, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, Corey Jackson became the leading rusher, and they had, you know, the most triumphant. Um, I mean, playoff run probably in the history of the Cadiana area, beating St. James. 
evangel back in the evangels heyday evangels nothing now but back then that was that was that was a huge 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 accomplishment and then car in the finals um all right before we get to the call let me give one more 1990 i didn't cover this one either 1990 iota's playing norman bradford and jonesboro hodge and they were up 10-0 late. And Norman Bradford, I think, returned a punt for a touchdown. And then he scored again. And they um, they fumbled. Um, and they scored again. And Iota lost 14-10. That, that game sticks out in my mind. That was the um, semifinals in 1990. Heartbreaking loss. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, my, the game I remember the most, I was playing in it. And with uh, about a minute gone, left on the clock, we punted. And the kid from Mount Carmel just let the ball lay, and then he laid, laid his hand on it, didn't pick it up. And we lost the game, and the official comes up to me. He says, you should have picked it up and ran. He <laughs> says, he didn't kill the ball. And as uh, I'm getting on the bus, all mad at myself, who passes by my window but my dad. And that was the first game he ever saw me play. And that is no other loss will ever make me any sadder than that night. Now, that was a playoff game, Ellis? No, no, no. That was, uh, uh, I think we were in the same district at the time. I got you. So, uh, you know, that's my contribution. All right. Well, I appreciate it. What year was that? Do you remember what year that was? That was 60. uh, We were seniors that, no. It's probably 60 uh, or 59 or 60, 61, somewhere's in there. I got you. Well, I appreciate the call, sir. Hope you're doing Thank well. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Man, I'm telling you, this is going to be a trouble. I mean, we just started. already got about 15 names written on this list, and and five or six of these. And we haven't mentioned them all on the air yet, but five or six of these are just oh, like that. You you just your heart just sinks. Your heart just sinks. Brutal losses. I mean, brutal. It's gonna be a rough week. And a couple that I've thought of. See, the problem with getting old is you forget certain things. Like for some of these, I'm I remember the game. And I might even remember the score, and then I or or I can't quite remember from like I'm talking from like thirty something years ago, and then I can't quite remember who the the opponent is on one of these. I just remember the game. It's just it's unbelievable some of these losses, how bad they were, just gut wrenching. All right, before we get to our next timeout, let's go back to the game hotline. Talk to Eddie. Hello. Hey, what's going on, Kevin? How are you, sir? Great, great. I'm an old Caracol graduate. I remember 
I want to say it was 91 before the Bears went to the championship at Lafayette High game. They went into overtime. Lafayette scored on like a little fake to the di- a fake dive through a, I think the only pass of the game. A little tight end. They beat us 14-7 in overtime. I just remember that was a gruesome loss for us. Now, was that uh, that was a regular season game? Was that at Lafayette High or at Karen Crow? I think it was at Karen Crow. I'm not sure if that was that undefeated team that Lafayette High had, and they took it. they took them all away. But it was at Karen Crow. They called two touchdowns back at Karen Crow that game. Now, was Peter? Did Peter Dugar? I'm trying to remember. And I could be off. Did Peter Dugar return a kickoff for a touchdown in that game for Lafayette High? I- Yes, I think that's I think the he did. I think that's the game yes. I'm thinking and they of. Yeah. That over. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and a good a, one. Another one comes to mind that I think of that I, I just remember listening to it. I'm not sure if that's the same one you brought up was when uh, Big Dave almost broke the day, the desk. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what game it was, but I remember listening to it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of things <laughs> happening, games that Big Dave broadcasted. That's for sure. A lot of crazy things happened. <laughs> All right, great. I appreciate show, the call. Thank you very much, sir. Woo. No, there was some great games uh back then in that in that era for sure. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back and Mike can get one or two more in. After this timeout, we'll be back on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We just have. A few minutes left in this first hour. Another hour to follow. And we are um, talking a lot about high school football. Heartbreaking losses. And for some of these, like Eddie just called with a Lafayette High Karen Crow one. Or earlier, band, uh, Bitter brought up um, a... Acadiana, Karen Crow one. So when it's two area teams, it's kind of the heartbreak part depends on who you were rooting for. For for one half, it was heartbreak. For the other half, it was triumph. I mean, we, we understand that. But, and one example of that was 1986. And once again, I didn't cover this game. Well, I missed a lot of these heartbreaking games. I remember again who covered our old friend, our old buddy Hawk covered this game, but it was at Clark Field, 1986. I believe it was the first round of the playoffs. Turlings was lining up for a chip shot, virtually an extra point field goal to win the game. Instead, Lauraville blocks the field goal. Derwin Antoine picks it up and runs it back for a touchdown and beats Turlings in that playoff game. So, Again, for for our friend Gene and our friend Ellis who just called, that was a um, you know a triumph. But for the for the um, for the Turlings fans, it was a heartbreaking loss that we're still talking about all these years later. Uh, that was that was that was, uh, and obviously Derwood Antoine became 
one of the great running backs and had, you know, one of the great high school careers ever. I mean, at one time he was like one of the leading rushers in the history of the state. But um, he um, – that was that was a heartbreaker for, for the Turlings Rebels for sure. It should – and when you have huge plays like that that decide a game, it's so, like, jarring, you know, because you think, oh, well, we're going to lose. All, this is a chip shot field goal. Is it, you know, more than likely he's going to make it even though it's high school. And then, boom, you know, the other team wins because they pick up a blocked field goal and returns it for a touchdown. That's also why sometimes coaches punt in, not not that close, but further back because they don't want to take a chance or why sometimes they might go for it because they don't want to take a chance of the of the field goal being blocked in return for a touchdown because they kind of feel – I wonder if that's what Bum was going through Bum's mind on the Big Ben game when he went for it. Rather, He probably should have punted, but he probably also didn't want to take a chance of the punt getting blocked in return for the touchdown or the field goal getting blocked in return for the touchdown. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. We'll shift gears to the Houston Astros. We'll be talking with Michael Schwab next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And speaking of the Astros, been trying to hook up for a while and have a, some great conversations with Michael Schwab of the Astros Juice Box Journal, and we are getting to do it. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm so good, and even better now that I get to talk to you, Kevin Foote. What's going on? All right. Well, we're coming off of a, I don't know, interesting, intriguing, intriguing, triumphant, frustrating. I mean, that was a, that series. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on that. Um, but before we get to do that, anytime I start talking to someone like, um, you know, I, I need to find, like, if I know who they're a fan of, I, I want to get understand the history so I know how to approach that person on certain things. So, uh, tell me about, like, how long have you been? I mean, have you, did you grow up in Houston? Have you been an Astro fan your whole life? I mean, like, who your favorite players are? Like, tell me all that stuff. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Houston. So, I'm born and raised in Houston. Uh-huh. Um, lived, lived there most of my life. Took a little detour for college and then some work afterwards to move to D.C. and Nashville and some places. But I've been a huge Houston fan my whole life. And that's Stroh's Rockets. That's the Texans, sadly. Uh, but even the Arrows, too, when they're here. But I- I've loved Houston for years. I had a, I have an uncle who is a major Houston sports fan, and he would take me to games. Got to go see uh, Killer Bees at the Dome, and then got to go to Enron Field, which became Minute Maid. And I, I, I've I've loved this team for so many years. And the Astros have always had a special heart. It's funny that 
people talk about the Texans and think it's a football town, but you've got so many Astros fans in the city and in the region that care about this team. Been following from Bagwell, Biggio to Berkman. Um, and so it, it's been fun to be a fan and now to really cover it on the side just for fun with Juicebox Journal, which is my company that does it. Um, but you asked me who my favorite. I think I always have a special part, a special place in my heart for Lance Berkman. I think that's where it is. Well, okay. My favorite all time um, Astro player is Cesar Cedeno from when I was a kid back in the 70s. Now, yeah. I, know he, I know he had his issues, but I still say he's the prettiest baseball player I ever saw. I love the way he hit. I love the way he ran. I love the way he stole bases. I just loved everything about him. Great. I mean, I didn't know about all this off the I didn't care about when I was a kid all this off the field issues. I would say that my second favorite Astro ever is probably Lance Berkman, but but when yep. he but when he went to the St. Louis Cardinals, I just don't know if I could ever forgive him for that. I just, you know that that was not that was not good for me. I, I don't I, I I did not like that at all. But no, I, I love Lance Berkman and. Uh, remember when he hit those two home runs in San Diego with the old pit, I called it, the Murph. And, no, that was great stuff. All right, so I just needed to get a little bit of an idea. Just so you know, we do a little promo on this, and people think it's a joke, but it's not. Uh, from my senior trip, I went to four Astro games, and from my honeymoon, I went to five Astro games. So, um, and that's why when we were supposed to talk a few weeks ago, it, my wife and I had my 30th wedding anniversary, and she said we went on an Alaskan cruise the first time I'd ever been on a cruise in my life. She said, no Astro game. So, anyway, that's why, that's why we weren't, hey, that's why you works. interviewed George. Happy wife, happy life. Yes, that's I, how it works. I, I, absolutely. All right. So, this Astro series. I'm not a what I call a baseball elitist, although the Astros have been an elite team in baseball for the last five or six years. But going into that series, I'm like, just, just my first goal was don't get swept. My second goal was to split. And I never envisioned they would be that close to being really they should be six and oh on this New York stretch. So what yeah. once the series was over, what, what were your thoughts? I so yeah, we're six games through this New York series. You got two versus the Mets, four versus the Yankees. I honestly went into this not knowing how to feel because, you know, I, I'm a realist. We've had a very light schedule. I was covering this before. I think we've played 20 series against teams that are under 500. So this this upcoming series was going to be a real test of are we still the Astros that have been able to fight in the playoffs and go to the World Series? Well, we are. We still are. And this is what's amazing about it. I mean, we swept the Mets in a two-game series, scoring eight runs and five runs in both those games, both high-powered pitching. And then you come to the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, which should have been a bad place to be at, but we end up being our home advantage because we own them that much. Uh, you know, we split the series 2-2, two to two, but I'm with you, Kevin. It should have been a 4-0 because here's the craziest thing that I realized. The Yankees only led for two innings in that entire series, and that's because of two walk-offs. Well, they were both walk-offs, so and, they, did, they didn't go to, into any innings with the lead. Not one time. Like, never did, did an inning begin when the Yankees had a lead in that entire four-game series. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> so uh, I, I think there's a lot of exciting things that come from this. I mean, what, what we've learned is, 
that Jose Altuve just destroys the Yankees. Here's a hilarious stat. From 2017, he has 10 home runs over 99 at-bats. That means that every 9.9 at-bats, he's averaging a home run versus the Yankees. And he loves to play versus them. It doesn't affect them. But, I mean, the pitching was solid. We had a no-hitter, a combined no-hitter, which is the second one from the Astros against the Yankees. It's two against the Yankees in the past 40 years. It was since 1958, I believe, and it's both from the, from the Astros. And then the hitting was great versus a, a very, very great pitching team of the Yankees. So I, I, I think what we're seeing here is that the Astros still have that it factor. They still got that ability, even though we're dealing with some hitting issues right now. We're not hitting like we did last year, but we're still doing good work for hard teams. No, and again, I, I, I understand what you're saying about because I saw some of that too that the Astros didn't have a tough schedule. But again, that that, that to me that's a football thing. I, I just I just in in it, it matters. Series are in my opinion are not difficult or easy based on who you're playing. It's the circumstance, uh, you know. Because I remember going in when they went to Fenway. I'm like, this is not good. The Red Sox had a miserable record. And that, but they were crushing the ball. They weren't pitching. They were due to win. And the Astros were not playing well. And they were, I, I remember going to Fenway. I'm like, their record's terrible, but I'm telling you, this is an awful circumstance series. And they had that mm-hmm. one game where they hit all the home runs, but they lost the series. I think all that stuff is overrated. But I think the Astros, like you said, kind of did rise to the occasion. All right. Is there any reason to be concerned with Michael Brantley or that was that like just a little preventative thing? Well, I mean, th- this is impossible to know because the the team isn't very up. They don't really say exactly what's going on with injuries. Right. Sometimes they'll tell you that there's an issue with, uh, you know, the word discomfort. They love to use it. And the discomfort could be a broken leg to <laughs> a hangnail. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. So the good news is we know that it's the left shoulder. But the bad news is that we know it's the left shoulder because that's where he had issues in the past and he had surgery. Um, I, I, I need to reach out and, and talk to my sources and see how things are looking. I would say that because it's the end of June and there's a rest game today that they weren't even going to chance it. Uh, I, I bet you that if we were in the playoffs, he'd play every single game. I mean, we know that Bregman played through the entire playoffs and World Series with a hand issue. So they would let Brantley play if he probably did. We, I haven't heard anything specific, so... That's probably not my biggest concern yet. If it's something, maybe maybe a week. But I, I think we've got other things we got to worry about right now. All right. Um, Anoli Paredes, he is so exciting to me when he's pitching well. But you got to throw strikes. Um, I don't know. You know, he, he didn't walk a ton, a ton, but he didn't walk. You know, it wasn't like his walk to innings pitch was, was tremendous. And so I'm excited to see him pitch again because I think he's very exciting and he's dynamic when he can throw strikes. What are your thoughts on him? I've always loved him. And I think seeing how well he did in 2020 was so exciting. Uh, It was a really weird year, though, because you had nobody in the stands. uh, And they didn't know who he was. And so he could get away with his walks. Uh, I think it served him well letting him start out in, in Sugar Land and let him find himself. So far, he's doing very, very well. 
which is really good. I, I like to see that his walks are down. Like, if you're looking at his walks per nine innings, um, they're already dropping. And so in 2021, he had 5.9 walks per nine innings. In April, he had four per nine innings. In May, it was up a bit, but now it's back down to June, which is 3.6 per nine. So I know these are really high numbers, though, that we're looking. It's like, oh, my gosh, what are we talking about here? It matters because he had walking issues for a lot of his career, but he's only walked four people in the month of June. So I'm hoping that he can come up and be the high-leverage pitcher we need. He's averaging 97.1 on his, on his fastball, which is what they need as well. And I think what we saw from this Yankee series, and I've been kind of harping about this, is that this is a great team, but I still think they need some high-leverage guys. Now, I don't know if Anoli is going to be that one who fixes it. Maybe they trade for one. But you need guys who can pound the strike zone, hit that 100 if possible, especially after a starting pitcher. So you got Verlander up, then you bring in Anoli, tossing 100. That's what you need to see. Um, and kind of keep that lead down which was such a main issue versus New York. So I, I'm hopeful for him. I'm hopeful. It's just we got to see when he gets in the line. Well, you know, Hector Neris has been way better than I expected him to be because um, I've had him in fantasy when he somebody and he would have these stretches where he was just awful, but he's been tremendous. Uh, Montero obviously has been way better than anybody thought he would be. And I got to tell you, I've never really trusted Ryan Stanley, but he just keeps getting it done and he keeps getting it done. So you can't argue with him. Now, I love Presley. He's probably my favorite player on the whole team, but he's too old on every batter. Uh, and he can't seem to pitch more than one day in a row effectively. So, what it, what are your thoughts on Presley? And is do you what hope do you have that by the end of the year he's going to become that dominant guy the first year they got him? Well, I mean, he's got the stuff. He's got a beautiful slider and curve, and his fastball, which started out very low to start the season, is back ticking back up again. He's hitting ninety five, ninety six. The thing about about Presley is that. I'm worried about his knee, and that's where he had his issues to start the season. And I want to make sure that he's okay. I mean, he didn't play it in a game for a while. I mean, what was he? He was off three weeks a month? Right. I can't remember exactly. And I, I, what it shows you is that the back-to-back affects him. Yes. The, the whole bullpen was spent. When, you know, when Luis Garcia didn't go enough, it spent the whole bullpen. So we're they were all going off fumes. Now, he was – incredible during the playoffs again he did great this past playoffs i just think that like he's going to be his best when there's enough arsenal behind him so he just got to come in and get the outs and i i i think he still has that it factor i still think i'm just going to say this i think he could be the one of the greatest you know eighth inning pitchers in the game i think he can be an incredible closer I just want to see him prove it a little bit more, and he's got he's got the skill to do it. But you know, we're in June. He's doing fine. He's I think fourth in in the AL in saves. He's had a few blown saves that definitely bite him in the, in the rear. But he still has the ability to be great. Oh yeah, I, I think the great. talent is there. But he's got. I'm just what I'm saying is I'm hoping that come August and September he can pitch two days in a row effectively. Like because he he's had some saves where <laughs> two zero on this batter, two zero on this batter. Oh, he gets a double play and he gets bailed out. But he did not pitch well. Like he's just he's had too many outings where I don't feel like he pitched well. Well, or he just allows a hit, or it just seems yeah. like the first 
batter always gets on and yes. he gets the ending. Yes. Like, Dri- that's how it seems. But yes. I, I'm with you. Let's just see him go out there. And he's done it. I mean, he did a before he had that blown save, he had a one, two, three inning the game before. So, you know, he will be fine. It's just we got to get through the season and see it. All right, I don't. I want to. You know, next week, um, I, I don't want to cover everything in this first uh, interview. But what what odds do you give that come August the first, Jason Castro is going to be on this team? <sighs> this is the hard one because it's analytics uh, against. It's all a dusty thing in a sense, but at some point they're going to have to look at that. I mean, I think he's. Averaging, is this? It's below one. Yeah, his batting yeah. average starts with a zero. Yes, <laughs> I I love Jason Castro as a person, and I think his leadership is phenomenal for the team. But we've got that in Maldi, and, and Maldi is proved that he is one of the best defensive catchers. I know a lot of people like to just yell at him because of his batting average. It's not about that, you know. Dude caught two immaculate innings and a no-hitter in 10 days. That's incredible. And that's not just because he was there. He did the work to do it. Castro needs to be hitting, pinch hitting very well as a catcher, and he's not doing that. I, I almost feel like I wish we kept Garrett Stubbs to be that role. So, Now, what about Corey I, I Lee? Can, are they even thinking about Corey Lee as an option for the second half? I don't know because he's just not hitting like he, he should. I wish he had better numbers, but it doesn't. See, it would almost seem like another player, like Luke Berryhill or even Yanir Diaz, would come up before him, because he's just not hitting like we would like to see. Now his defense is great as well, but we're we're not there. We might have to pull someone from another team because he's only hitting two twenty one, and he does have ten homers, which is great, but his OPS is below seven hundred. So I think you've got to find someone else outside of the out of the out of the system to get you a backup catcher. So to answer your question, Kevin, to go back to it, I don't at this point it doesn't seem like Castro is going to be on this team. Yeah, and look, August. if he was if he was as good as I call him Candy Maldonado uh, defensively, then I could <laughs> live with him not hitting like he did last year. But he does he he's a good defensive catcher, but he's not a great defensive catcher, I don't think. I don't think he blocks balls well enough and he throws well most of the time, but not as much as 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 uh Candy does. So I don't know. I don't think he's gonna be there even though I was a big fan of his uh and what he did for the team last year. Well look we got to take a break and get on, but hopefully we can connect next week. We'll, and we'll have it'll be unbelievable. Uh, once a week talking to you, going into the all, uh, all the, the trade deadline. That'll be lots of fun. Oh, I can't wait, and I'm looking forward to our weekly conversations, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal. You can tell he really gets it, and I think he and I are going to click very well, and it's going to be real fun down the stretch and. Uh, I kind of agree with them. I don't think Jason's going to be there. Everyone's trying to get him to get Contreras. I don't know how much they're going to give up to be able to get someone like that. So, again, that's about two or three weeks away. We'll really get hot and heavy into those conversations. Appreciate uh, Michael coming on. Looking forward to that for now. We'll take a timeout, get back to some high school football talk, 
uh, for our footnote summer project or whatever else you'd like on the game hotline, which is 706-0111. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on... The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And appreciate Michael Schwab coming on. I think that's going to go very well, and hopefully we can um, figure out all the Astros issues and, and, and get them solved as we meet once a week during the course of the year. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Before we talk to Astros with Michael, we were really making a lot of great progress. Day two of week five of our footnote summer project, which is high school football heartbreaking losses. And we've covered quite a few already, and we've got several more to discuss today and again what I'm worried about is we're getting so many great ones right off the bat um we might <laughs> though there's plenty more to get to don't get me wrong but uh we're really hitting uh getting some of the ones that are going to be strongly considered for the top 10 come Friday but uh maybe we can do more spend more this week discussing one versus the other we'll see how that goes uh bitter called in with um Katiana losses in 08 in the semifinals to Central and 09 to Catholic of Baton Rouge. I was at that Catholic of Baton Rouge game, and um, it was – I don't know that I've ever seen the momentum of a game switch as quickly as that one. We talked about Carr and Brobridge, 93, 94. I think it was 93. Um, we've talked about the 94 game with Cecilia – uh, losing to a meet, and you know the significance of that game. Pretty sure I'm get I, I'm getting old and see now, but I'm pretty sure it hasn't ended. That was the last season that Katiana area did not have a representative in the state play for the state championship. Um, the, Cecilia would have if they had not lost that game twenty one twenty, would have gone back to the dome, and it, at that point it would go back to like I think you got to go back to the eighties since that happened. But I'm pretty sure. That that twenty one twenty loss to a meet in the semifinals that would have been class three A semifinals to a meet in ninety four Jamaican Dortez's last high school football game. I'm pretty sure that's the last time the Acadiana area had it, where they played a round of state championships and there wasn't one Acadiana area team participating. So it was a historically significant game in addition to being totally heartbreaking for sure. So, um. Well, we talked about that when we talked about the Tur- the Derwin Antoine game at, at Clark Field, uh, and you know, the, and there's been um, a lot of talk. We talked about Iota's loss to, to to Jay Hodge as well. So we'll get to a couple of the others that have been mentioned, 
And again, if you have one that you remember, Eddie called in a Lafayette High Karen Crow one. Uh, by the way, I want to set the record straight from a conversation earlier. The 78 game uh, was the semifinals at Cajun Field. That was in 78 between uh, Lafayette High losing to St. Aug. And then the next year at Cajun Field, like Shane brought up, was a 16-7 to loss to St. Aug in the state finals at Cajun Field by New Iberia. So I uh, just wanted to get those those scores and those records straight. Um, the funny, I I don't have access to that picture anymore, and I, I mourn about that often. But um, there was an old photo that I remember seeing in the files when I was still working at the Daily Advertiser before moving to the Acadiana Advocate. And it was freezing cold that night, that state semifinal night, that Lafayette High lost to St. Aug at Cajun Field, like freezing. And there was a picture where the hot chocolate, and I'm just and I don't remember the the, the exact figure, but it was like I'm just gonna throw out some numbers just to, as an example. Like the evening started, hot chocolate cost like fifty cents or whatever it was. And then by the end of the night, it was caught co- it cost like a dollar fifty. Like they were it was like it as as the night went on and as it got colder, the price of hot chocolate went up at Cajun Field for that game. And of course, they needed a lot because St. Aug was a powerful force under Coach Washington way back then. And obviously, we're we're very very good. You know, the next time we have Gerald on the air, we might have to ask him about that game. I'm sure he's got plenty of memories, bad ones. That wasn't heartbreaking so much as painful going freezing to death and getting beat by 30. But uh, obviously that was a a very special uh, era of St. Aug football for sure. All right, again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Ironically, uh, a lot of these games that have been mentioned, I made the comment that I wasn't there. Now, I was there for that Cadiana Catholic loss in 09 in Memorial Stadium, but I wasn't. And I don't know that I was at any of these other games that have been mentioned so far. But one that was texted to me, I definitely was at. And that was 1987. Uh, John Curtis came to St. Martinville. Cornelius Gedward was a, had a, was just a workhorse running back for uh, St. Martinville. And, and, and John Curtis escaped with a 14-11 to 11 victory over St. Martinville in 1987. And, uh, you know, again, that that was an era of St. Martinville football. In 81, they won the state championship. In 84, they won the state championship. In 85, they went to the Dome in, in their first year. And then 4A, that, you know, the, they, we, we didn't have five, o'clock, five classifications yet. They had moved up to 4A and won the, won the district championship that first year and went all the way to the Dome, a game that I covered and lost to. Uh, what was it, Leonard Valentine and and Eric? So, um, you know, two years out, they kind of had a down year in '86, and then '87 they were really, really good again, and back down into then AAA, and um, and they, you know, look, it, they had their chances to win that game, but uh, Curtis escaped 14-11, and that was certainly heartbreaking at that time. So, again, any other 
nominations that you have. It's only Tuesday. We got all we got the rest of the week, so we got time to do it, and we've got some doozies already. I mean, this is quite a list, and there's several more that we'll get to as the week goes on. And uh, certainly would enjoy any memories that y'all have of of any of this. It it's depressing on one hand, but and 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 this applies more than when we get to the Saints. It become but it, but it applies to high school football fans as well. Living through the heartbreak is part of the badge of courage of being a fan of a team. Like to me, if you. You know, if you if everything is just wonderful and you win every year, that to me that must get boring. I mean, it sounds crazy, but like if I if my team like if the Astros won ten straight, well, I mean it would never happen. But just to for to make a point, like if they won ten straight World Series, at some point it would get a little boring. Like you gotta have the bad to be able to appreciate the good. You just have to, in my mind, like. When someone has, when some team has this long streak of success, at some point you start to take it for granted. And so, in my mind, when the streak ends is when I really appreciate the greatness. Because at some point you start thinking, well, they didn't really accomplish anything. Of course, they were going to win. We knew they were going to win. Well, then you, to me, if you have that mentality, then you're limiting the accomplishment of winning. So a lot of time it's when the streak ends because when that when it ends, you say, well, wait a minute, it ended. So they could have lost that game three games ago, and they could have lost that game four years ago, but they didn't. And so I think you got to have the bad to really, really appreciate the good. So while for some people might be saying, man, it's kind of depressing here talking about heartbreaking losses I think it's part of the of the like I said the badge of courage as a fan especially when it comes to you know the Saints in their first 20 years as a franchise so all right we will take a timeout come back um, want to talk more high school football certainly feel free to do that got several other things to discuss as well we'll do that on the other side of this time out of the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros we love talking about sports yeah you love listening to sports yeah sounds like we were meant to be together or at least friends with benefits Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse. As we mentioned last hour, it's free, it's simple. So sign up today for the game clubhouse. Put you in position to maybe win an Astro getaway ticket for one weekend or a 
$25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, perhaps a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. Any of the great prizes, or almost all of them, you have to be eligible uh, by having joined the game clubhouse. So do so today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. At, in the first hour, I brought up how I heard one of these elitist national fans, Yankee fans, um, make the comment on a show I watched early this morning before coming in that baseball's kind of boring right now because we already know who's going to make the playoffs. Man, that stuff drives me crazy. And they already know. They already knew in June that the Nationals were going to win the World Series three years ago. And they already knew in late June, early July that the Braves were going to win. I mean, why did we even play the games? We already knew they were going to win. We knew it already. Um, and they all knew. They all know who's going to make the playoffs. And my my phone wasn't working at the time, so I wasn't able to, to detail my strong anti-opinion of that Silly comment. But as I look at the American League, I think there are 11 teams that are still very much in the playoff race. Like, the 11th team is Seattle. Now, personally, I have more faith in Seattle making a run than I do the Rangers making a run or the Angels making a run, even though right now they're behind them. That's just me, my perception of those teams. Um, Seattle's seven and a half games out of a playoff spot. It's June. Do not, if you're thinking, yeah, but they got too many teams to jump, just stop saying that. It's not true. It's, it, it's, it's something that someone said uh, over and over again years ago. People believe it. That does not matter until you get to like, Mid to late September. I mean, at some point, if you get to like mid to late September, that matters some. But in June, that means nothing. It really, it means nothing. Don't buy that garbage. I've been there. I've lived through it. It, it means nothing. Um, You just have to win. Now, you have to win just because you're seven and a half back and there are a million games left doesn't mean that it's easy. You got to win. You got to go on a good streak. You got to get to where you win eight, nine, eight, nine, ten, or in the Braves' case, fourteen. A little bit earlier this season, but you got to win. But if you win, you're you're going to leapfrog teams. You're going to leapfrog teams. Put it this way: the Mariners are seven and a half out. If they won like their next five in a row, they would leapfrog four teams in a week. In a week. Four of the teams ahead of them would be gone if they won like five in a row. All that the teams ahead of you it means nothing. I'm telling you, it means nothing. Um, I think there are 11 teams. Now, do I really think the Rangers and Angels are going to make the playoffs? No, I really don't. But there, would it would it shock me if Mariners did? No, wouldn't shock me at all. I predicted it. I still think they can. They haven't played well, but I think. I mean, you could even argue there are 12 teams because technically the Orioles are a game ahead of the Mariners right now. Now, I think the Orioles, I, I just, I just, I know they're, they're certainly mathematically alive, but I just don't think 
somebody's going to pay the pot price of being in in that division. Like, cause I think all four teams in the East, I think the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, um, and the Rays, and obviously the Yankees are all in prime playoff position. I think there are three teams. Like the, the White Sox have had not a good first half, but they're only like five and a half back in the division. That's nothing. That's nothing. They can do that in a week. I mean, it'd be difficult to do it in a week, but they could. They could certainly do that over two weeks, much less three months. I mean, so those three are in it, and three or four teams, depending on how you look at some of those teams in the American League West. Now, some of these teams are are going to be intimidated, and so they're not going to make moves at the All-Star break to get any better, and so it might not happen for them. That's certainly going to happen, but it doesn't have to. In the National League, from my perception, I think there are eight teams fighting for the six spots. But mathematically, there are way more than that. Like, um, there's as many as 12 if you buy the Rockies are nine back. Diamondbacks are eight back. And the Marlins are seven out of the playoffs. Certainly still in it. Now, I don't really believe those teams have what it takes to do it. Maybe the Marlins. But there's 11 or 12 teams still, you know, not more than mathematically. And, like, they have a realistic shot if they just play well. Now, again, I don't buy the Rockies, and I don't buy the Diamondbacks. I kind of sort of maybe buy the Marlins because they pitch well enough to get on a long winning streak. They just don't seem to hit. But all these other teams that could easily make the playoffs. This idea that we already know who's going to the playoffs and it's easy, that is just... To me, that is just junk analysis. That's lazy, elitist, junk analysis. And I hear it every year, and it drives me crazy. Um, so it is, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. And it makes me pull for someone. Every year, someone makes a big, long run. And, and and then everyone acts all surprised. Well, what are you surprised for? It happens every year. And usually it's more than one team. And then they oh, where did they come from? Well, if you would stop being an elitist, you would recognize that it was very possible. I mean, you know, like, you know, like, and I'm using the Mariners as an example because they're in my division. Nationals have played them a ton. If they make a run, everybody's go, oh, where did they come from? Well, just pay attention, cat. Just pay attention a little bit. But uh, it's, it, it, it drives me crazy. But, again, Astros, Mets, um, tonight, 6-10 first pitch. And you can hear that game right here on the game, 103-7. Lafayette, 104-1, Lake Charles. I, uh, I would think the, Mar- the Mets have been a little banged up. McNeil's still out. Obviously, they have pitchers that they're waiting to come back. There was some talk that ace pitcher was going to come back Scherzer on Sunday, but that didn't happen. So, uh, you know, the Astros, I think, are going to miss him totally, which doesn't just totally break my heart. So we'll see how how how, how they do. But they they, um, they did a good job of limiting everyone except for that big polar bear, they call him who last night slid like a polar bear would slide with zero style and and zero uh, 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 
seemingly agility without any agility at all. But um, Astros didn't get him out much in that two-game series. They're going to need to make sure that they don't allow themselves to get beat by by just his power bat. But it's a pitcher's ballpark for the most part. Where the Mets play, not the same kind of ballpark you're playing in that popcorn park at the pseudo-Yankee Stadium is. That is just some silliness involved in that ballpark. But um, but it's more of a of a you know more of a pitcher's park, and the Astros normally can perform per, kind of pretty well in pitcher's park. So we'll see how this two-game series goes. Once again, I'll take a split. You tell me right now the Astros are going to split these two games. I'm all for it. And then go for that sixth win um, on Thursday at Minute Maid in this nine-game stretch. But it, but if you win, if you even if you don't win both games against the Mets, if you just split, then that's, that's at least a winning 5-4, of course. They will have played at a higher level than that. But it is what it is. You got to win the games. It doesn't really matter. Although for confidence level, I think it matters that you outplayed the Yankees in, in in all four games. And from a we know how to get you out standpoint, I think it matters. But from a standing standpoint, doesn't really matter that you dominated the series. They you know they still won two games. The Yankees still feel real good about themselves, and they should. But. Um, I think in the back of their mind, somewhat of a statement from a strategy standpoint was still made in the midst of all that frustrating, all that astral frustration from their, you know, coming up with two big innings and, and winning when they really haven't played very well and got outplayed for most of the series. But as they say, that's baseball. <laughs> and, it, and it is. I mean, it is baseball. You, you steal games where you can still. Once again, you know how I look at baseball. Most of you know anyway. When the season starts, you have 54 wins, you have 54 losses, and you have 54 games that you got to decide where to put them. And I think um, I think the, the Yankees snatched one of those 54 that really wasn't supposed to be wins, and they put, moved them over in that win category, and that's how you win a bunch of games. Got to win a lot of the games that weren't one. When you go out and you win nine to two, like the Orioles did over the Mariners last night, that's one of your fifty-four losses. That's easy. You just follow it in that fifty-four loss category and you move on to the next day. To me, that's how you survive mentality as a, as a as a baseball fan. All right, we will take a timeout. Come back, finish out today's show where we made a lot of progress on our high school football. Uh, heartbreaking losses, and we'll do more of that tomorrow. For now, we'll take a timeout and be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Man, I love the intro to that song. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And on that last little promo of crunch time, they're discussing the whole kind. I mean, Kyrie and Duran, that's all the on the national shows, that's all they've been talking about all week. Like, did anybody really think Kyrie wasn't going back? He didn't have any options. 
course, he's crazy enough to pass up millions of dollars. But um, it's unbelievable how much discussion there have been about the Brooklyn Nets, who have done nothing. Like, can we just have a moratorium on discussing the Brooklyn Nets until they win a playoff series? Can we possibly do that? I, I just don't understand. Like, nationally, I know they, they think baseball is boring because, you know, they, every, they already know who's going to make the playoffs. So why would they ever talk about Major League Baseball? They got to talk about the Brooklyn Nets over and over and over again. Can can we can they at least like once football talks about all they talk about for years is Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. But at least Tom Brady has done something. I mean, I get sick of the Tom Brady talk, but at least he's actually done something. Like the Brooklyn Nets have never done anything. And they just keep talking about him over and over and over again. It's like, enough of that. Let's let him win something. Then we can talk about him. And I'm not saying never talk about him. I get that Kyrie's like this lightning rod personality. But, I mean, again, I'm talk about him some. But now, like, it's all they've talked about on every show nationally all week. And really, going back to last week, it's just... The Brooklyn Nets, like the Brooklyn Nets. I, I just, that amazes me. And I mean, I, you know, when it gets interesting, I'll talk about it. Like enough of that Brooklyn Nets. They do nothing ever. And people, they just talk about them over and over and over and over and over again. And it's funny because every once in a while, even one of these national guys that do it, they're like, are we really talking about the Brooklyn Nets again? And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I Stop. But for whatever reason, they must think that the Brooklyn, you know, everybody in the country, is on the, they just have the pulse, the Brooklyn Nets, the pulse of the country. That's what everyone wants to talk about, the Brooklyn Nets. Their court is interesting. They have different – I mean, I'll give them that. To me, the, the way their court and the atmosphere in their little stadium and their little arena is more interesting than the actual team. Like, like, they're just like a train wreck. I guess people just love train wrecks, so they feel like they got to talk about them over and over and over again. But that's what they are. They're just a train wreck. And I don't care about the Brooklyn Nets one way or the other. Really, I, I don't. Other than – you know, what are they in the same division as the Celtics? So I pull for them against the Celtics. But other than that, I don't really care about them. Football nationally, that's what they care about. It's all they care about, the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets. They all have Brooklyn Nets under roots. Unbelievable. Enough. Of course he resigned. That's all you need to know. End of story. All right. Appreciate all the phone calls. We'll talk. get back to high school football tomorrow. We'll see what the Astros do against the Mets. Y'all have a nice day.